The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, 900,000 Botox injections were administered in the UK last year. If you do the math, it would probably mean about 60,000 were administered here. And almost two-thirds of Irish people say they're open to trying or have already tried anti-wrinkle injections themselves. So are cosmetic injectables changing the face of ageing? And what impact is this Botox ubiquity having on our minds as well? News Talk's Sarah Madden is with me in studio. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Pat. This is not the first time you've reported on cosmetic treatments. No, it's not. Um, Back in 2020, I actually reported on the boom in Brotox, so cosmetic tweakments in men. And, you know, there was speculation at the time that it was being fueled by this increased amount of time we were all spending on Zoom. But what was very interesting was that there was still a certain taboo around the subject. You know, the stigma was so real, I ended up having to change contributors' names to protect their identities. But as you mentioned, in your introduction there, Pat, things are very different today. And you see it everywhere. Everyone that turns a corner has had something done. Botox, the preventative stuff, after 30 maybe, yeah, 100%. It's really good for somebody if it makes them feel better about it. One of my teachers has filler, like, and she would be only in her 30s. A lot, you see a lot more people now with their lips done. My cousin has. She's gotten a lot of lip filler, like jaw filler and stuff. Jaw filler? Yeah, what is it called? Master yeah. filler, yeah. Wow, okay, and what age is your cousin? She's 20, but she got them done when she was 18, like as soon as she turned 18. Yeah, I think it's growing in prevalence. Like most of my friends have Botox. I just turned 40 and I've been having it for a couple of years. And um, if it makes you feel better and look better, then I don't see a problem with it. To you, is it sort of the same as getting your nails done? Oh, 100%. I've just been and got my nails done now and I got my Botox about four weeks ago before my 40th birthday. So I could look as good as possible. I get loads of recommendations on Instagram as well for like places in Ireland that do the lip fillers and like the cheek fillers or Botox. I get recommended it all the time. I don't know if you do. (laughs) Funnily enough, I don't. (laughs) Every second person normally has something done. Like I don't think anyone looks at you any different if you do or don't. I've had lip fillers. I don't really care. Like if it makes someone happy, by all means, do what you have to do. No, no, you haven't. I haven't. No, and I wouldn't get any fillers or Botox or anything done. And why not? I just don't think I need it. <laughs> is it something that your partner knows that you get done? Is it something that uh, they'd be surprised to know you're doing? I tell absolutely everybody I'm proud of it and I don't care. Botox are not bothered. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Using fillers and just fine with it. And for many people, predominantly women, it has to be said, injectables have really become just, you know, another part of a beauty and even wellness routine. In fact, I was speaking with Dr. Katrina Ryan at the Institute of Dermatologists and she told me that these treatments are now so widely used that our expectations or at least our aesthetic standards of both ages and ageing may have actually changed for good. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And actually, I saw a really, I think it was on social media recently, um, a picture of the Golden Girls. You're probably too young to remember, remember what the Golden Girls were. But the picture of the Golden Girls was them in their 50s. And I couldn't believe the picture. Um, you know, I would have, you know, they, they had grey sort of hair in their, in their like perm type hairstyles. So, yes, absolutely. I think, you know, the, there's been a real reset on, on, on ageing. And, um, and it's not just in women and men as well. Um, and what we consider uh, normal, you know, as, as a 50 year old compared to what, what we did or, or, the, or the, the, the age somebody would look at, at 50 compared to 20 years ago. It absolutely, it absolutely has been reset. Um, 
not just you know by the cosmetic industry I think all of these other things too and the, and the and the way we wear our hair you know lots of people are wearing their hair long still into their 50s 60s everyone used to sort of chop it up when they were 40 years ago so you know I think there's lots of different things that, that have contributed to that and we are living longer and we are healthier as well mm. and I think there's a big, much bigger focus on, on living a healthy life so if it's becoming as socially acceptable as dyeing your hair, it's a, probably a pretty good business to be in. <laughs> it is a great business to be in, Pat. In fact, the Irish injectable market is now worth an estimated 200 to 250 million euro a year. <laughs> The knock-on effect of this is quite interesting, though, because it means that more and more medical doctors, dermatologists and even dentists, they're downing tools and they're picking up syringes. And Dr. Paul Diganin is one of those who's capitalising on the rise of cosmetic culture, let's say. Over COVID, he launched Lumidoc, which is a mobile service that treats clients in the comfort of their homes. Um, Allergan had an interesting piece about how 55% of people think that some sort of um, injectable treatment is acceptable. Most of my um, new clients come from referrals, so people are talking about it. As the industry grows, and it's growing at 12 to 14% a year, more and more people want to get involved, and that's going to increase the necessity for convenience and providing the treatment in a different way. I do quite a few evening appointments, but it's often during the day, uh, three or four clients who've got together who want to get a few treatments. It ranges from people in their 20s to people in their 70s, as you said, but uh, I'd say my most typical client uh, would be um, mothers who are kind of in their 40s, so they have young kids, makes it more difficult for them to get in for an, for an appointment. So uh, me coming to the home, they find the convenience aspect very appealing. About 10% of my clientele are men. Uh, usually people who are a little bit younger might be looking for you know, lip augmentation or baby Botox, something preventative. I've had, I wouldn't say it's a hen party, but pre-hens or a pre-wedding party, you know. There's usually a bridal package, which would be kind of a profilo for collagen simulation, maybe a little bit of toxin. And then um, the uh, bridesmaids then would usually have a kind of a variety of treatments. Maybe the groom might be there, maybe a couple of the men might be there. And that's Dr. Paul Dignan of Lumadoc. So Phil is for fun, Botox, bridal parties, um, seems like it's coming quite normal. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not sure how I would feel about turning up to a, te- a hen or, you know, a stag or something and there's a cosmologist waiting. But the normalisation is attracting a certain amount of criticism too. For example, though it's ever more affordable, you know, these injectable interventions, they do require discretionary income. And some critics fear that what's being created is a two-tier ageing process. So fast for the normals and slower than slow for those who can afford it. But I was speaking with Dr. Jennifer Owens and she is owner of the Glow Clinic and she's more concerned let's say about the mental health of her would-be clients and those who are presenting to her. It is an area where there's there's an awful lot of people with body dysmorphia. In the general population I think it's about 1.2% of the population will have body dysmorphia. Around 12% may present in dermatology and plastic surgery clinics. That means there's an awful lot of people where even if they have these treatments and these treatments are successful, they won't be happy because their, their problem is more in how they perceive it rather than the actual physical problem. So it does take experience to be able to identify these, these patients and kind of screening tools and things like that. Now, often it is those events. It's potentially going back to work after maternity leave, job interview, after divorce, miscarriage, like big emotional things in people's lives. They've lost a partner, they've lost their sister. 
they look in the mirror and they go, that's not me. There's also research um, building about its um, ability to help with depression, which is really interesting. It's not about their appearance, but it's the relaxing of the muscles between the brows is quite successful. It's as successful in some studies as SSRIs, which would be serotonin reuptake inhibitors or antidepressants. It is quite an amazing drug that way. It's, it's also, you know, how our face appears has a huge impact on how other people treat us. You know, we all know that, um, what is it, the privilege of beauty? People, you know, they get offered better jobs, they, get, they make more money, um, it, just by virtue of being better looking. Using injectables to make somebody look fresher, happier, and more rested does improve their quality of life. That's uh, Dr. Jennifer Owens of the Glow Clinic. It's amazing to think that there is some potential for injectables to improve mental health, mm. but there are health hazards as well associated with this business. Yes. Now, in the case of Botox, which um, originally when it became used in cosmetics um, was called the pretty poison, um, the resounding answer is that no, it's actually a very safe um, uh, drug, you know, as long as it's used correctly and it's administered by someone who knows what they're doing, let's say. Um, But it's the other injectables like filler, which are unregulated, that are causing the likes of Dr. Sana Iskari. She owns Satara Medical Clinic. They're causing her concern. For example, you know, I didn't even do science for the leaving pat and I could hop online. I could get some filler and, you know, I could give you bee sting lips if you so fancied. (laughs) Not that I'm saying that that's it. We'll shelve that one for the moment. But Dr. Sana goes further still. She believes that with the increasing prevalence of injectable treatments, doctors in emergency medicine should be trained in this area too. You would see infections, cold sores, things like that. Maybe proper aftercare is not being given to to patients. And sometimes when there is a complication, like I described a a vascular occlusion, which is probably one of the most serious things that can happen with filler, the practitioner, I hate to say it, but usually a beautician, um, they miss the signs. A lot of the time they'll say, oh, just massage it, just put ice on it. If it's a vascular occlusion, the worst thing you can do is put ice on it because you're actually freezing up the the filler and it's not flowing through your blood even more. Um, And one of the big problems is some of the insurance companies insure people too readily for you know to carry out these procedures and I think they need to be held accountable as well for this I think most recently I saw in a little um, caravan a a guy was carrying out procedures if it was harder to get insurance then less people will go out and take their chance at it particularly so we're in a few different towns in Ireland and when I open a clinic in a new town the first few weeks it's just corrective work would you believe dissolving kind of botch jobs botch filler jobs girls that got their lip filler done too young and now by the time they're 23 24 years old they're a little bit deformed I, I was quite shocked one time when a lady came in with her daughter and she was like oh um yeah my daughter needs lip filler and she, we knew that the, the girl was underage she was willing to lie about her daughter's age. I think it's scandalous. I even think under 21 should be the limit because, you know, when you're under 21, you might be really prone to having body dysmorphia, low self-esteem. So I generally like would treat people over the age of 21 in my own clinic. Mm, that's a salutary tale from Dr. Sana Iskari, the owner of Sitara Medical Clinic. A very interesting report and lots of reaction from our listeners. Sarah Madden, uh, thank you very much for joining us. 
The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.